Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, folks. I am so glad that you could join us because we're going to be talking about an issue today that is really becoming a bigger problem than a lot of us realize, and that is electronic waste. Um, we have James with us. He is the CEO of Green Citizen, and I want you to check out his website because it's just well done, and it explains this issue so very well. While I'm interviewing James, if you want to open a new tab in your web browser and check out his website as at www.greencitizen.com, you can kind of follow along with us as we're discussing this topic in that web browser. But James, I am so glad that you could join us. Welcome to Go Green Radio. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm glad you are, too, because your background and your bio is so impressive when it comes to just business in general. But this topic in particular, you've been involved at a, at a local but also a very national level. And we're going to get into all of that. Let's start, though, by educating our listeners on what e-waste is. I mean, is it just computers or is it anything we plug in and then subsequently throw away? Help us understand what e-waste actually is. Well, e-waste is basically any products that has electronic components to it. So it's pretty broad, you know, from the standard computers, desktops, cell phones uh, that we use to lamps to, you know, OED light fixtures to, you know, anything that has an electrical component or battery in it. So that's even like if your coffee pot breaks and yes. you've got to get rid of it somehow, that's e-waste as well. Yes, Absolutely. So it's very, very broad, and it's it's beginning. Uh, it's causing a lot of problems for environmental and health purpose. And so that's why we are. Yeah, I'm glad to be talking about this in this episode. You betcha. Well, and we're going to talk about you know the environmental impact, the the human health impact of e-waste, yeah. um, and we'll also talk about the waste management of it all, and exactly what we can and should be doing with it. If e-waste ends up in our our local community landfills, James, what's the harm? I mean, uh, why would everyday people care about this issue? First of all, uh, as you know, that's a very, very good question. Uh, as our landfills are filling up with just, re- uh, just items that we discarded, e-waste also added the health hazard aspect. Uh, lead can be leached out uh, or any kind of toxic component can be leached out when under the weather conditions. And uh, uh, that's causing uh, it's going to the groundwater, which is uh, which which is going to be very harmful when it becomes water coming to the uh, 
community. Furthermore, that it's not only in the landfills. Uh, when e-waste is not properly recycled, 80% of the e-waste tends to be exported to developing country. In that case, since they don't do it in a landfill situation, it's actually contaminating the whole village with mm. a population of over 100,000 people. Wow. Now, you know, I know that in having talked to uh, folks who run landfills, I mean, they will tell you all of the different things they do to uh, line the landfills with, you know, uh, materials that supposedly keep things from leaching through. But, you know, not all of our landfills are new. Some of our landfills are very old. Exactly. So what are some of these toxins? Describe to us, you know, what is it that's in e-waste that's toxic that may leach into uh, our groundwater? What is it? Yeah, for example, that, that's a very good point. Uh, for example, for uh, standard TV or CRT monitors, they're between four to eight pounds of lead. Mm-hmm. And as you know, lead is very poisonous to the nerve system. That's why we uh, outlawed using lead in pain many, many years ago, but it's in the CRT, the, the computer monitor and TVs, the old-style TVs. So obviously that had to be handled properly. Uh, the newer newer system, like the LCDs, uh, TVs, it actually has something even more toxic. That's mercury. You know, one 80th spoon of a, a, a tablespoon of a mercury can contaminate 2,000 acres of water. So that's a very contaminated item as well. Plus that, uh, in order to make sure that electronic is not that does not catch fire, uh, the plastic is coated with flame retardant. So all those uh, are very very harmful to the to the health, when, you know, to, to the respiratory system, to the brain, to heart, to liver, to kidney, and so on and so forth. Well, as far as I know, James, uh, our water treatment facilities don't have a way to remove those things from the water. Is that true? You're absolutely right. You know, this is, a, this is a big problem. So we have to try to catch them, try to recycle them properly in the front end as much as possible. As you know, water is the greatest diluter. When the quantity is not great and you have big enough of volume of water, you can dilute it. But if the quantity is, the toxin is, the quantity is great, then it, it would actually spread. So... So mm-hmm. that's the issues. Um, that's why we need to try to uh, catch them before it got into the landfill, before it got into the groundwater. You know, I was reading on your website that according to a Carnegie Mellon report, I believe it was, uh, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, that there are already 70 million computers in our landfills. That's yes. kind of an unbelievable number. Um, you know, and, and, and what are the projections that you're seeing in terms of the, the rise in that number over the coming years? I think the, the, the projection is rising, and there's a lot of different saying, uh, different estimates. But I, just, I think as a consumer, we just have to kind of look around us. You look at uh, the flat screen TV, which are dropping in price at our popular retail stores such as Best Buy's. And it's coming down to something less than $600 for 46-inch LCD or LED TVs. And that is definitely much more crisp in, in terms of the, uh, the, the, the quality. And compared to the old TV, it's deliver high-definition TV quality. So a lot of consumers are changing out the old-style TVs. 
So mm-hmm. just looking around us, we know the speed of adaptation for new cell phone, new Palm Pilot, new, uh, new uh, iPad, new iPhones is accelerating. So we're getting, creating more and more e-waste. Wow. And, and I think everybody who's listening probably feels a little sheepish because, yeah. you know, we're all contributing to this. But yeah. fortunately, you know, you've got some solutions that you're going to be talking to us about later in the show. But, you know, you mentioned earlier that a lot of our e-waste has been going overseas. Yeah. And though that helps keep the e-waste out of our landfills here in the U.S., um, by shipping it, I mean, just, you know, there's the human health impact of the people who actually receive the e-waste. But just by shipping all of this stuff overseas, I mean, you're talking about creating carbon emissions due to the transportation of the e-waste overseas. But then, uh, you know, I remember seeing at the end of 2008 a 60-minutes documentary that showed what was happening in Chinese villages that were receiving yes. all of our e-waste. And it was it was pretty shocking. Now, talk to our listeners about what happens when our e-waste goes to a developing country, what is happening to the people who are on the receiving end? Right. The reason why e-waste is shipped overseas is because the cost to dismantle electronic waste is quite labor-intensive if you want to do it properly. So there's a, a lot of e-waste is being packaged as if a reusable item when they are actually just e-waste and pass through the law and bypass the law and ship to developing country under the name of reuse. And, and then the developing country, they take it in, and they have uh, you know, low-cost labor, which work for less than a dollar a day, basically open up the unit in an unprotected environment with hammer and chisels, and then salvaging whatever they can get in terms of coppers, in terms of gold, in terms of tin, and then dump the rest into the riverbed uh, or, you know, on the soil. And when you start raining, all that uh, toxic is then, you know, spread throughout the whole region. As a result, that uh, there are some studies shows that in Kwangwei, which is one of the cities uh, a few miles north of Hong Kong, the whole village is contaminated. And in order for the villagers to have clean water, they have to ship it from 60 miles away. As you can imagine, most average citizens are not going to have to be able to pay to have the water shipped from 60 miles away. Well, and what is, is, is the water that's contaminated, what does it do? Does it, does it cause cancer? Does it, yes. uh, you know, what is the human health impact? It causes cancer, it causes brain you know, damage, level damage, because as, you, as I talked about before, it contains lead, mercury, cadmium, frame retardants, you know, lithium, you know, a lot of these kind of toxic components that actually is, is, is used for building these electronics. And all that can cause, you know, different kind of negative impact to uh, damage to heart, liver, uh, brain, you know, kidney, and so on and so forth, nerve systems. Well, you know, I know there's probably other listeners besides myself wondering why would China or any other developing country allow this stuff in across their borders? I mean, why would they take it in to begin with? They don't allow it. In fact, you touch a very important question. China and all the developing countries do not allow uh, this kind of item legally to go into the country. As I said before, when item is shipped, is disguised under the label reuse, reusable items. 
so it ship as a reusable item when in fact they have no functional value whatsoever. And because of the corruptions, you know, at the border, uh, the customer, customer, customers, uh, officials in those countries, being developing country, a lot of this thing is sneak in, you know, uh, underneath the the, the law, which dis- uh, disallow the import of e-waste. And then when when this comes in illegally, there's got to be a, a business reason for this. What somebody making money? How how, how does this all work? Well, you know, as I said earlier, the, the labor, uh, the number of hours and minutes takes to take apart a computer, a printer, a monitor uh, correctly is, uh, is quite a lot. So when you multiply that by the hourly rate you pay for the worker, it's easy to say that when you're in a developing country, you're paying somebody for a dollar a day, you know, they can do it a lot cheaper. So they are after the, the precious metals, basically. The copper, the gold, the tin, the silver, even the lead, that they can sell back to the, you know, industrial segment, and they can smelt it down and make another product out of it. So that part is good. The the problem is the process of taking apart is taken apart in a way that's not protecting the worker and it's not protecting the environment. Mm. When items are taken apart properly in the United States, if, for example, in California. A facility needs to get licensed by California Integrated Waste Management Board by Department of Toxic Substance Controls. And these organizations, they will go for unscheduled audit of the facility. Mm -hmm. They will take sample of the air in the working environment. They will take blood sample of the worker to make sure no... uh, no toxin is leached out and got into the worker's body. As you can imagine, these are good process, but it takes money to enforce this kind of process. And therefore, the cost of dismantling is a lot higher in a, a, a place like California. I see. Well, this is, this is very revealing, James. We've got to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we're going to talk more about e-waste, and we're also going to be talking about what James's company has done to address this issue. It's very exciting, very cutting-edge stuff. So you don't want to miss this, folks. Please join us right after this quick commercial break with more Go Green Radio. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. 
Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. We are joined today by James Cow of Green Citizen. He's the CEO and founder. He's also one of the founders of an organization we're going to hear about in a little bit called eStewards. And basically what we're talking today about is a growing problem that every last one of us has a stake in, and that is what to do with electronic waste. Now, James, you founded your company, Green Citizen, back in 2005, and that was long before 60 Minutes kind of exposed the hazards of e-waste to us with their expose in 2008. Initially, how was your idea received? I mean, were there early enthusiasts, and uh, what groups needed a little bit more education before they got on board with your, with your company? Uh, actually, uh, the company was founded in 2005, but Bill Moyle of the Public Broadcasting Radio did an episode on e-waste dumping crisis in October 2002. Mm-hmm. That's when I saw the program and realized that we have a big problems. And basically, at that time, it was more of an information piece, but I just couldn't get it out of my mind. And I ended up traveling off and on around the world, looking at the different systems around the world, and found out that the e-waste crisis is big and nobody is paying attention to address it uh, in a full-time basis. And that's how we started Green Citizen on Earth Day on April 22nd. Um, the initial reception has been extremely positive for uh, for the city that we're in. We were in Palo Alto. Uh, uh, we opened in Palo Alto, and uh, uh, as people are educated about the issue, they are very, very appreciative of the convenience, education, accountability, and safety aspect of what we do to help mm-hmm. save the environment. And and who were some of the early large-scale adopters or, or participants in your program in terms of companies or organizations? Um, I think that uh, companies which actually have green initiatives that tend to really, really uh, uh, appreciate what we're doing, the extra effort we do. But for the communities, uh, there are population segments which already pay a lot of attention to environmental issues, carbon footprint issues, uh, they understand that electronics, they don't understand the whole story about how electronic dumping cause problem in a developing country. But they know the electronic is built from chemical materials, and those materials are harmful. So many of our customers being saving those up and not knowing where to go. So mm-hmm. when we offer the convenience facility in Palo Alto, which is in the heart of Silicon Valley, um, next to Stanford University, that many of people found out about us from the website, from the interview we gave to newspapers, and they came in and they finally have a place they can recycle this and, and know that it's going to be done properly. Mm-hmm. So that's how we get the initial receptions. Well, what I really love about Green Citizen is that it's a company that 
seems to address this issue from a very holistic standpoint. You've got a lot of different services that you offer your customers. You've got education centers, repair services, and so much more. Let's go through some of your services and talk about each of the components of your business and how your customers interface with Green Citizen. Let's start with your IT support services. Tell us about those services and how customers gain access to that. Yeah, basically that, uh, as you know, the first step in saving the environment is to keep your computer running or electronic running as long as possible. Uh, I don't know. There's an interesting statistic. I don't know if you know this. Uh, in order to manufacture a computer, one computer, it takes 530 pounds of fossil fuels. Oh, my goodness. No, I did not know that. Wow. 48 pounds of chemicals and 1.5 tons of water. This is just to make one computer. Uh, this is a study made by United Nations University uh, years back. So you can imagine the, the process of making one computer, it's quite, take a lot of resource from the environment yeah. already. So step number one in saving the environment to extend the useful life of electronic and computers. And that's what our repair service, IT service do. You know, com- um, any any customer who might have a computer running slow, they come in, we will offer them free diagnostic service and check out their computer. A lot of time, it's some kind of setting or some kind of temporary file left around or some kind of virus need to be removed, and a computer can can be uh, running fast again. And so that's that avoid the customer have to go out and buy a new, new computer prematurely. Mm-hmm. So that's step number one. Uh, that's the repair service. But as you probably know, some of your viewers are outside of the San Francisco Bay Area. We do have four uh, convenient eco-centers, and these centers are run and managed by environmental science graduates uh, from top universities in the nation. And so our center managers are really knowledgeable about environment issues. So we put a lot of effort on educating the public. When you come to our Green Student Center, you will be able to engage in, uh, you know, a uh, 20-minute discussion to even three-minute, three-hour discussion if you want about this issue. We want consumer and business to understand the whole story and how they can do their part to avoid it. So the education component is very important. Once you know that, then you can decide whether you want to use the Green Student Service of repair in IT support, uh, or you can use our service for recycling. Uh, also, also use our uh, secure hard disk destruction services. Um, I don't know if some of your consumers might know, uh, uh, your listeners might know, computers and copiers all have hard disk in there. Mm-hmm. So when you are faxing uh, information in your company fax, some of those confidential data is stored. And when you're recycling those units, we really have to do an erasing of the memories. Otherwise, you're basically recycling your confidential data. So that's why we take a holistic approach from repair to recycle and also offer destructed uh, services. On top of that, the whole thing is wrap up with the education components. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that I picked up on your website in terms of your reuse services and, and where I think you differ from a lot of other companies that I have researched is that Items that are tagged for reuse stay in the U.S. They're not yes. shipped overseas. Talk to us a little bit more about your reuse services. Yeah, thank you for pointing out that reuse services. As you know, reuse uh, has many way channels. 
by limited to the U.S., we can make sure the item is has a way to get back to us. So once the unit is used for the second life, it has a way to be mailed back to Green Citizen or drop drop back to the Green Citizen Center. Then we can properly make sure they're taken apart in the United States. If we let the reused item leave the shore, let's say go to Mexico, go to Philippines, go to China, then because there's not a good collection and accountability mechanism over there, chances are going to lead to lead to second life dumping. You know, mm-hmm. after that second life, it's going to be dumped. So we want to avoid that. That's why we limit it to the U.S. And this is a good point to talk about that kind of policy in terms of limited reuse in the U.S. is actually uh, is what signal us as a socially responsible business. A socially responsible business will put social and environmental above profit motives. So by Limited to the U.S., obviously, we're limited the revenue potential we can get from reusable item, but that's the right thing to do for the environment. Well, I agree with you. I mean, you know, it's kind of a lesson that we all learned in kindergarten. If you make a mess, you clean it up. You know, I mean, I've been telling my three kids that forever. You know, and it's the same thing with our own waste, whether it's paper waste or e-waste. Um, we need to be aware of and dealing with our own messes and our own waste. And that's why even when we talk about, you know, waste management on this show and we talk about uh, the idea that, you know, when people throw things away, it doesn't really go away. It goes somewhere. And the more aware people are of, of where that is and what the impact on the human beings living in that area, wherever your waste goes, um, the more people begin to think about their consumption. But if we are completely removed from the the story of our waste and we have no idea where it ends up, um, we really there's really no uh, reason to take much responsibility for it because, and you know we're not thinking about any reason to take responsibility for our personal waste. And I really like the way that your company, James, is helping us become aware of the end result of our purchases, our consumption, and our electronic waste choices and electronic purchase choices. Um, I'd love for you to talk about how your company recycles uh, when finally people say, okay, I've reached the end life of my electronic device and I'm ready to relinquish it. What do you do to recycle uh, th- that that item. Yes, uh, that's a very very important question. In fact, that's the most important question when it comes to uh, electronic waste. Uh, when we recycle the item, when we collect the items, uh, I don't know if you are listening. No, I come from a database background, so most of my uh, past experience has been about information, information to corporation, helping corporation, uh, working on you know, database systems, large-scale enterprise system, which allow them to have the information to manage their business properly. So the same situation is happening here. Every item we collect it, we recycle it. Green Citizens is the only company in the world we actually track the major item down to the brand name and serial ID of the device. A serial ID of the device is unique to that device. It's almost like a social security ID for that device. The reason why we do that is for the purpose of at the end of a few years, which we are coming up to six and a half years of business, we're able to summarize the data, do the cleaning of data, and provide the end-of-life data to manufacturer 
who manufacture the product. So mm. with this end-of-life data, they can prove they are actually helping the environment by recycling their own brain. But most importantly, they can take the item and actually understand what item is recycled. If you were working for a company like Hewlett Packard and you're in charge of making decision on future all-in-one printers, which some of us have, it will be very interesting for you to know which model is the least reliable one, which is the most popular one to be recycled. Today, mm-hmm. manufacturer has no way to know. Once it's sold to us, they have no way to know this. Our system allows us to track down to that brand name and serial idea device so we can tell them definitively which model is the most quote-unquote popular one to be recycled. Therefore, they can avoid that same design for the future product or which model is prematurely recycled. Let's say they expect the item to be used for 18 months and the item is already recycled after nine months. Obviously, you and I as a consumer is not going to be happy because we just bought that spare in cartridges <laughs> yeah. ready to go in. You know, and we're not happy, and that's when you know, a competitor can step in and sell us a competitive unit. So these mm-hmm. are all very, very important business-benefiting data that we're trying to tie to the environmental recycling efforts. Which well, is, uh, that's really powerful, James. I mean, f- from the from the aspect of you know giving companies data, you know that they can improve their products with. But even more so, I mean, I'm the way that my mind is working on this data is if at some point we wanted to say, you know, if a company said we want to make sure nothing with our brand ends up in a landfill, you're providing what may be the only way for them to ensure that there's. Nothing with an HP, nothing with an Intel, nothing with an Apple logo on it in any landfill. That You're providing absolute assurance. I love it. We've yeah. got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we'll talk about more solutions and great ideas that James has when it comes to electronic waste. Don't go away. More Go Green Radio right after this. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Tolvanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Tolvanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. 
Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Today's topic is important to every last one of us. We all use electronic devices, whether it's a coffee pot, a computer, uh, you know, some kind of a handheld device. And we're talking to the founder and CEO of a company that has the right solution. What to do with that electronic waste when we're done with that product. Um, his website is really engaging. You've got to check it out at greencitizen.com. James, so far to date, how much e-waste has your company kept out of our nation's landfill? And do you have some idea, some data on what the environmental impact of that uh, effort has been? Yeah, right now we're in the pilot stage in the San Francisco Bay Area. We have diverted uh, close to about uh, 7 million pounds of e-waste mm-hmm. from landfill and from exporting. Uh, as you know, the previous figure, I say 80% of electronic recycling end up being exported. So you take 80% off 7 million. So we diverted 5.6 million pounds from exporting uh, in this case. On top of that, because our reuse effort, we're able to put a lot of equipment uh, into responsible reuse in the U.S. And sometimes we sell it at a deep discount to, you know, environmental causes or uh, initiative or helping teach the kid better in math, things like that. So, so we take, we would say about another maybe a million pounds that's been diverted for reuse purpose. So a total of seven million for e-waste and a million for reuse. That's a lot. And now some people may be saying, okay, that sounds like a lot. What, what's the environmental impact? I mean, can you tell us in terms of besides landfill space being saved, what else, uh, what kind of tangible environmental results does that equate to? Well, I think one of the, one of the most important things that we, we gain from this uh, six and a half years experiences is that we believe that an average consumer and business do care about the environment, but they have to be given the convenient way to dispose of their environment, and they need to be educated, mm-hmm. and they need to know that the item is taken in a way that can help provide an incentive for manufacturer to want to do more for the environment. And uh, I think that's the biggest gain. It's not the number of pounds of landfill we have. We obviously have developed the landfill, which I cannot equate what is seven pounds of e-waste in terms of you know, landfill uh, uh, volume saved. Mm-hmm. But I can say is that we're trying to build these whole systems which instead of competing to avoid dumping, we're trying to create a system which is competing to be green. So companies Mm -hmm. who can do more to save the environment through our accountability system, they have more tangible scorecard to show to the consumer and the business and the environmental agency about their effort. And as a result, we as a consumer, we as business can vote with our dollar Mm-hmm. to buy those companies which actually do more for us. The power of the purse, <laughs> so yes. to speak. Yes. Yep, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Now, I have to ask because, you know, whenever you talk about waste, whether it's e-waste or just general household waste, um, a lot of times it comes down to public policy issues. And I'm just wondering how reliant your business model is on public policy as it pertains to e-waste, or is your business model based more on grassroots awareness and individual choices when it comes to e-waste? How, do, how does public policy play into your business model? 
we try to develop a business model which is, does not rely heavily on public policy. However, being a California uh, authorized collectors, we do benefit for the reimbursement for any uh, reimbursement from uh, California Integrated Waste Management Board for the uh, TV, CRT, laptop item collected. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a strictly California law in terms of all the people, all the company purchase electronics, which has a screen size four inch or wider, are uh, paying uh, advanced recycle fee through the retail channel, and that money is forwarded to California Indian Waste Management Board. They use that money to de- de- uh, reimburse uh Organization which are collecting this item and dismantle this properly in the United, uh, in California, so that's the only policy we relied on. But other than that, everything else we basically are built on. Try to build a system of positive incentive, positive uh, scorecard, so consumer can can choose to vote with their dollar to the company which actually do the most for the environment. Well, that's good news. I'm glad that that was the answer to your question because I was concerned that maybe, you know, I know that you want to expand uh, Green Citizen outside of the San Francisco area. And I was concerned that, you know, in order to expand nationwide, for instance, that you would need some sort of similar public policy in other states or in other regions. But it sounds like not so much. Tell us about your plans to expand Green Citizen. Can I can I kind of kind of add a little bit on the policy area? There's sure. actually one we did we did get asked a lot by uh, state legislature, as federal legislature, uh, even general accounting office from the congressional uh, uh, office, which chartered some kind of study in this area. Now, there's one possible policy which the policy needs to be very simple to implement and very simple to enforce. So what we have given them is instead of having a really, really complicated enforcement law, which is very difficult to enforce, we basically suggest that just have a very simple law. If you are a OEM manufacturer and you are able to produce some data on you sold 100 million units of electronic in the United States, as an example, the law should be if you are manufacture 100 million units for sale, for consumption in the United States, through some kind of mechanism of your own, you should be able to collect 100 million units of electronic back. Mm -hmm. So that's a very simple law we can hold every manufacturer responsible for and let the policy be left at that level and then let the manufacturer take over and do the execution on whether they want to do the collection themselves or they want to work with Green Citizen to do it or they want to work with Goodwill or they want to work with the, 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 the community agencies. Mm-hmm. What we found is a lot of the policy today by the state are all so complicated that actually costs extra manpower just to enforce that. So this kind of simple policy, basically holding manufacturer responsible for collecting the same amount of unit they have sold to us and let them work out the execution on how to get that back. It's the simplest what we have recommended to the government. Well, and I can hear already cries going up, you know, across the country that, you know, manufacturing is already under so much pressure in the U.S. Right. You know, manufacturing jobs are going away. This is just one more, you know, job-killing 
proposition for manufacturers. But the fact is the cost that would be involved with this would likely be, if you're an OEM, it would probably be passed on to whoever you're supplying to, whatever larger company, and it would be passed on to the consumer. You know, I just wonder how in the supply chain management world this would be received. You know, suppliers are constantly competing with each other um, on price. and if It's already well received in the Europe. I'm sorry. In the Europe, in the European uh-huh. Union, there's an extended producer responsibility law that's been passed many, many years in Europe where producers are responsible for the effort of collecting their uh, item back from the mm-hmm. market. So uh, most of the multinational manufacturing companies already already uh, following the law in the United States, uh, in Europe. Mm-hmm. So it's in the United States because of the 50 states having different kind of regulation actually causing a lot of issue from logistic perspective for yeah. them to have to come up 50 different set of uh, solution to meet the 50 different state requirements. Absolutely. And, you know, now what would you say if somebody in the U.S. said, well, you know, manufacturing in Europe is nothing to emulate. We want to be successful in our economy, and they're hurting. Why would we emulate something that Europe is doing? What would you say to that? I think it's basically a fundamental philosophy we come to. You know, everything needs to be recycled properly, whether it comes down to electronic or it could be your Nike shoes or it could be your lunchbox, you know, for your kids to take to school. Every item required to be properly recycled. Uh, and uh, I think as a society, we haven't built in the recycling cost to almost all the items that be manufactured. Mm-hmm. So electronic is, right. just one, electronic is just one major area. In addition to the cost, there's also an environmental and health impact to that. Agreed. And, and there's always the, the interplay between should this be on the manufacturer or should it be on the consumer? If the consumers weren't buying it, the manufacturers wouldn't be making it. And right. who bears the ultimate responsibility for making sure that what is purchased ends up being recycled? And that, that's the perpetual argument in this country, I think, of who bears that responsibility. Yeah. Mm, very interesting. Now, you are also, in addition to running your own company, you're part of a much bigger effort to ensure that e-waste is handled properly on a global scale. Um, you're one of the founders of eStewards. Tell our listeners about that organization and, and what its mission is. eStewards is a program actually uh, championed by a very, very worldwide environmental organization called Basel Action Network out of Seattle. Basically, the e-steward pledge indicate that, as you know, most of the electronics is illegally exported. So the store, the e-steward program stipulate that a company who sign up as an e-steward will not use the prison labor, which allow it to create a, you know, local economy based on fair pricing. Mm-hmm. We're not exporting the harm, and you know, we're not dump the item in the developing countries. So and uh, and also it would provide prevailing wages to the workers. So it's actually a program actually um, has a much higher requirement on the cost, but also provide a added benefit of environment and uh, health benefit to the people who process it. Mm-hmm. Well, let me back up on that real quick because I have a question uh, in terms of not using prison labor. Um, 
you know, a lot of taxpayers, you know, see this huge cost that we have to housing prisoners and they're just kind of sitting there watching TV, working out and causing trouble. Um, why not use prison labor to, to do something useful for society? Well, I guess uh, from, from my perspective, I do not have an issue with that, but uh, I can understand the logic behind that was that in order to create a robust demanufacturing recycling industry in the United States, it has to be a fair market. So, yeah, it is true the prisoner is taking away from the society and they're using our resources, but mm-hmm. if it costs $15, $20 an hour to hire a worker to dismantle the item properly in the free market situation versus mm-hmm. that a subsidized prison labor, which only costs $6 an hour. Mm-hmm. That's actually creating a artificially low cost of the manufacturing, which mm-hmm. actually does not allow us to build in the right kind of economic and pricing into the cost of the manufacturing. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. I do. Um, you know, and I, I think that notion is up for debate. I mean, I think, exactly. you know, you know, I think that's something that that's a very interesting topic. I might like to hit on that more in another show because, sure. you know, we can call it subsidized, or we can say we can call it taxpayers getting their money's worth. Um, right. So that's that's an interesting point. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking to James more about the e-steward program and what it means to everyday people who are part of e-waste collection events and what have you. Why you may be looking to this organization to ensure that you are hosting an e-waste collection event that's lawful. We'll think about that. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Tolvanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Tolvanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. 
Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Once again, our topic today is e-waste. If you haven't been able to catch the whole show and you're kind of bummed about that, and you're thinking, gosh, I would have liked to have heard the beginning of this show, don't worry, because you can check this show out on Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon East Coast time on the Green Living Network. We replay the show every week on Tuesdays. So if you go to voiceamerica.com, click on the Green Living button, uh, you can hear this show again on Tuesdays, again, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon on the East Coast. Everybody in Mountain and Central Time, do your own math. You guys are smart. Um, We're here with James Cow. He is the CEO and founder of Green Citizen, and he's also one of the founders of eStewards. And we were talking about that organization uh, before we took a quick commercial break. Um, you know, you have a couple of different things on that website, James. You have an eStewards pledge and an eStewards certification program. Can you tell us what the difference is between those two programs? Yes. Uh, the eStewards actually start out as the, uh, the program that I described just before the, before the break. Then uh, uh, a few com- companies uh, actually are signed up to pledge to, um, to operate their business according to the pledge. The certification is taking the pledge to the next level. Basically, that having uh, third-party auditors come into organization, audit the process, you know, indicating that what you say is what you do. It is a very, very high-expense operational project to do that, but the goal is to validate that the pledge uh, signers actually follow through in doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing. Gotcha, gotcha. And I know that you have all the guidelines and, and what the certification includes up on your website, correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, also, you can go to bnn.org, and you'll be able to uh, look up uh, you know, the process there as well. You can also find uh, auditors which are certified to provide an audit to a facility like us. Mm-hmm. You know, the the question arises in my mind, and I know that a lot of people, you know, think the government should do everything. I'm not one of those people. I think that there is a role for, you know, independent organizations in society to fulfill some of the functions that, you know, government just doesn't need to be involved in. But in this case, I can't help wondering if the e-waste crisis is so severe, if the human health risks are so um, severe, why isn't the federal government taking up this role? Why does it take a nonprofit organization to fulfill this need in our society? First of all, I agree with you. I'm, uh, I'm for small government, efficient, effective government. So when you come to e-waste uh, crisis, I think government has a very important role to set up a very simple law and regulation that's easily reinforceable. As I indicated before the break, if you are requiring the manufacturer to help recycle the same amount of unit they marketed, they were building the price, and therefore, as a result, they have the resource to help make sure those things are not causing any harm to the environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let the manufacturer, let the private sector, which are much more efficient in the execution, to do whatever they can to make that goal possible. When government take over, you know, the cost could be a lot higher because of a, a lot of uh, check and balances needed to go into the system, and there's not a free enterprise competition, which is uh, what's needed to drive up the efficiency and down the cost. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it is kind of remarkable. You know, when you think about the role of government, what we all pay our taxes for, part of it is public health and safety. This just seems like it falls perfectly within the purview of right. what we expect our government to do. But uh, at any rate, I'm glad that there is an organization like yours out there taking up the reins in the absence of uh, good government public policy. Now, as I mentioned before the break, a lot of our listeners have participated in or have seen local and community e-waste collection events um, in California because of the law that we have that, that has created a revenue stream around the collection of e-waste. There are even some schools that use these e-waste collection events as fundraisers. How can we ensure, I mean, is there a way that people can, who are either organizing these events or dropping off their e-waste these events, how can we be sure that what we drop off is going to be handled responsibly, legally, and, and properly? I think that's a very, very uh, important question that you just asked. Uh, in order for uh, average consumer business to really be sure the item they recycle are not being exported, they really have to uh, do some due diligence on organizations that's taking their items. If you go to their website and they don't have one, you can be sure they're doing a dumping. Mm. If you go to their uh, company information and they oversimplify the solution without talking about all the steps they are putting in to safeguard exporting, you can be sure they're exporting it. Because they are trying to sell you something that is is like eating ice cream, so simple as that, which is not. Mm, yeah. uh, so it's important to not just take any organization on the face value. It's important to uh, get educated through third-party means by looking up different websites and see environmental organization and see what they recommend and then also due diligence on the companies that are doing it. Uh, we do a limited amount of fundraising uh, for school as well. But because of the high cost of the demanufacture to us and collection and tracking, uh, we're not able to return as much money to the school. But as you can imagine, if somebody is just into for the profit and they have a, a warehouse, a tiny warehouse somewhere in Chibren area, they can have a truck run to the school and pick it up and they, you know, salvage whatever item that of value to them and then just punt the rest to a vendor who ship it abroad. That's mm-hmm. a very likely scenario that's happening many times before today. I, I have a feeling that's, that's happening more than we could possibly imagine. So if we were to, if we are the planners of these events or we're the participants in these events and we demand to see an e-steward certification, for instance, would yes. that be the assurance that we're looking for that it's being handled properly? I think that definitely will, will go a long way because it costs in the thousands of dollars to get an organization certified. It has to go through all the documentation on how items are collected, how items are shipped. They even audit the downstream vendors to make sure the downstream vendor is handling it responsibly, environmentally sound fashion. So definitely that's one, one, one way to assure that. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this: In the minute or so that we have left, you know, everyone by virtue of the medium that we're using to get this episode out, every one of our listeners, uh-huh. you know, has e-waste in their possession. Give us three quick tips on how we can be sure we handle it properly. Yeah, the tip number one is to get 
get yourself educated. It is an important issue. We derive significant benefit for using electronic. In fact, I can think of that I can survive in five minutes without it. (laughs) 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 So we all benefit from it, and I think it's just the right thing to do to understand uh, what are considered good handling process for disposal of your electronics. So just by being more knowledgeable, uh, that would also help a consumer and business judge who to use, who not to use. Second of all is that, as I said, once you identify the company you want to use, whether they're East to certify or they don't, they're on the way to be certified because it is a very, very long process, extensive processor. It's important to do the due diligence. And this is where your education will come in, to do the mm-hmm. due diligence. You can never take somebody's claim on the face value. Right. right. And so, and once you identify a good organization, then the best way you can help them is by spreading the word for them. As you know, marketing is a very expensive uh, effort in the, uh, in the noisy internet world. A lot mm-hmm. of companies do very good work. They not necessarily can invest in the marketing and advertising dollars like, you know, the big global companies which, who can buy all these advertising ads. So by helping them spreading the word to your friends and your companies will also help them increase the scale. As a result, they can replicate their service to somebody else, some some other location. Thank you so much, James. This has really been an eye-opening and enlightening show. I really appreciate you being on Go Green Radio. Folks, great being with you once again. Have a great week and go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.